0: Become... miss Forbid Parchus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching you.
1: guys welcome to episode 41 of macabre misfortune
0: hello everyone
1: all right tracy so i said we were going to try to do some more positive stories for the rest of december after last week's nice little christmas story that we had yes well this one is kind of positive or at least kind of a positive aspect to it but overall it's still a tragic story Mm -hmm. but i think you'll see where i'm going with it okay it's not easy to find just a you know you got to Keep to the theme a little bit, I think. All right. This is also going to be our second volcano story. Oh, a volcano. So today we're going to see what seems like a negative quickly get turned into a positive. Well, good. This is the ultimate case of being at the right place at the right time. Ludger Silbaris. He was actually born in 1875 on Martinique, which is an island in the Caribbean. In 1902, he was working as a laborer in the town of St. Pierre. Nice. Now, this is a happening place. It was a port town, and it was kind of known as the Paris of the of the West Indies back then.
0: Wow. Sounds really fancy. It
1: does. But Ludger was not only working here, he was kind of really having a good time here as well. Maybe too good of a time. <laughs> In fact, the police knew the twenty seven year old more for his drunken and fighting behavior than his work ethic. And on May 7th, 1902, he was arrested for getting into a fight, and he was taken to lockup where the intentions was for him to stay at least the night. Now that doesn't sound like too much of, of a good luck thing, right? You're right. But how it would turn out to be very lucky is amazing. Towering 5,000 feet above the town was Mount Pelee. It was a great place for hiking and picnics and that type of stuff, but that wasn't just a mountain, it was a volcano. In the previous month, there were some signs that an eruption may be on the horizon. Things like a sulfur- sulfuric smell that was kind of hanging around, and some cinders and ash that occasionally could be seen in the air. But all this stuff was on a small level, so there wasn't much concern. But in the last week before the eruption, there were some strange things happening. For example, the town was bombarded by ants, snakes, and other creatures that were coming down from Mount Pele.
0: Oh, because they knew what was up. They
1: sensed. They knew what was up. Birds started landing covered in ash, and fish started turning up dead in the water. Uh, Oh, no. There was a small eruption that sent out a small little stream of lava that wiped out a sugar processing plant. Wow. But the authorities assured all the locals that everything was okay. Now, keep in mind, this was before they had any meteorology or anything like that, so I don't know what they were basing (laughs) this on. I
0: I mean, I wouldn't think everything is okay just from the fact that the dead fish and all the critters were coming down
1: from the mountains. Right. So, our prisoner, Ludger Sobarus, he began to kind of get out of hand, and he was placed in solitary confinement. Now, this was a little small, half-underground cell made of stone. There was no windows, and there was only one small grate in the door that faced out towards the sea. Okay. Away from the mountain. Okay. So, he was completely sheltered from the mountain. But this was going to be a blessing in disguise. This basically grim ju- uh, dungeon was the single most protected building in the entire area.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: May 8th at 7.52 a.m., Mount Pierre went into full eruption mode. And I'll tell you about it right after this quick sponsor break. Dark smoke and ashes exploded into the air and a huge amount of lava started flowing. The smoke blackened the sky for a 50-mile radius. A superheated amount of gas and fumes started pouring from the volcano at hundreds of miles an hour, flattening everything in an 8-mile area, including the town of St. Pierre.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: The air reached levels of 1,200 degrees and anyone in its path was instantly incinerated.
0: Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, wow.
1: Unfortunately, just before the volcano erupted, thousands traveled into the city to seek refuge. Why would they go into the city? Well, maybe they didn't know any better. I guess they figured whatever was happening, they'd be if they were in buildings, that they would be safer.
0: Oh, that's true. Well, I guess that's
1: true. But that didn't help, I'm sure. No, it did not. The superheated gases consumed the oxygen and replaced it with deadly gases. People's lungs were burned from the inside out, even after taking just one breath. Almost all of the thirty to 40,000 people in St. Pierre instantly perished. Oh, gosh. The city was on fire for several days afterwards. Now, four days after the eruption, a rescue team heard cries coming from what was left of the prison. It was Ludger Silberis. He was badly burned, but he was alive. His burns came because the air in the cell kind of flash-heated to over 1,000 degrees.
0: I can't even imagine.
1: It was He was only alive because of his quick reaction. He could see the light from the small grate in that door, right? Mm-hmm. And he saw it go from light to very dark super quick. And then he started seeing the ashes kind of coming through that little grate in the door. So he took his clothes off, he urinated on them, and then he stuffed them into the grate of the door. This kept the extra hot air from coming in, and it also kept the clothes from igniting during the initial eruption.
0: I can't believe he thought of that.
1: I wouldn't have thought of it. I wouldn't have either. I would have thought it had been so hot that it would have dried out almost instantly it is, and it yeah, still would have caught on fire. Yeah. But he was horrifically burned, but he did wake up unlike anyone else in the town. He was the only known survivor that was in the actual town. Now, there were two other survivors. One we're going to talk about in a little bit, but technically, she wasn't in the town during the eruption. So, we'll talk about her a little bit later. Ludger's story was so miraculous that he received a pardon for his crimes, obviously, and he actually became a minor celebrity. After he recovered, he was contacted by Barnum & Bailey Circus, and they hired him to travel with the circus as a living legend, the man who lived through doomsday. He was the first black performer ever in the circus, which was segregated at the time. And Luger would tell audiences about what he experienced before showing his horrific scars. Oh,
0: wow. Oh, my gosh. What do you even say about that? I mean, I mean, thank God he's alive, but then you got to put yourself on display as you know, horribly well, he disfigured. he didn't have or... to
1: put it on display, but I mean, he found a way to, to make money from it. Mm. I mean, I'm sure he was paid very well. Most of these circus performers uh, were. Mm. I'm not saying that's what anybody should do. Uh, no, I'm not I, I know a good what you're thing, saying. But for somebody who... In America, in the early 1900s, to be able to make a good living that yeah. that, that was black. I can't say African-American because he wasn't from African, he went American. Yeah. But for for somebody who was of color to be able to make a pretty good living, especially after you'd went through all that, yeah. he probably... Had, well,
0: I mean, he made think, the best out of a bad situation. Right.
1: He, he probably thought this was the best that could happen out of a bad yeah. situation. Aww. So there's my semi-positive story that somebody actually did make mm-hmm. it through yeah. where 30-some thousand people that is didn't. amazing.
0: That is amazing. I can't even imagine coming out and just knowing that there's not one more person alive
1: around you. All right. So we always try to do a little fact about the story. And I told you there was another survivor. Well, there was this little girl who said that she saw the volcano starting to erupt, and she jumped in a little small rowboat. She started paddling towards a cave. Apparently, her and her little friends would go to this cave, paddle out, or take you know take their boat out to this little cave, and they would play pirates. That's why she knew it was there.
0: Oh, wow. That's good.
1: So when she saw the the uh, volcano erupting, she jumped in this boat, and she started making it there. But just before... She reached the cave. She saw the whole side of the mountain rip off and start spewing lava. Mm. She made it almost to the cave before she was badly burned by ash and rocks. And she was actually found unconscious floating in that boat about two miles away by some people. She made it. Did she
0: make it into the cave?
1: I don't... I don't. She must have passed it. I think she made it maybe into the cave, but then after she passed out, the boat probably just kind of oh, went on its way.
0: That is crazy.
1: So, she technically wasn't in the city. She had already yeah. made it out. So she was she,
0: like smart enough she, to get... Yeah, she yeah. wasn't
1: going to be affected by the lava or anything, but yeah. all that heat and mm-hmm. stuff was coming... The ashes and stuff was coming down. She couldn't help but to be hit by it and get burned by it. What a story. Now... There was one other story that really couldn't be corroborated, that there was one other man that says he was in the city and he survived, but people are saying there's no possible way he could have been in the city and survived. So his story was in question. They did say, was it possible that an explosion might have thrown him out to sea and he survived that way? But they're saying there's no way he could have been in the city and survived. You know, but technically, out of the 30 some thousand, there was only three people even thought to survive Ludger Severus, this girl, and then possibly that guy.
0: That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, where do you even go from there? I mean, especially that little girl. I mean, what do you do?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure all her family's gone.
0: Yeah. That is devastating.
1: So, two positives. So, yeah. Kind of. Like I said, it's still a horrific story, but we did did find some positives. Right, right. That's about as positive as these stories can usually be. I
0: mean, yeah, definitely. Wow.
1: Interesting. So there you go. Mm. That wraps up this week's episode.
0: Well, good job, babe.
1: Thank you, guys. We appreciate it.
0: We love y'all.
1: We'll talk to you soon.
0: Bye.